0: This is Rosie Starr for Radio Catskill. Welcome to Farm and Country, locally produced radio about rural life in the Catskills and the Delaware River Valley. On today's show, Keith Hubbard's Star Talk report reminds us to turn our clocks forward for daylight saving time. Then we say hello to Laura Silverman from the Outside Institute at her new space in Calicoon, New York. Topping off our show, Jill Padua in Narrowsburg, New York, fills us in on the Repair Cafe, coming soon to the Tustin Town Hall. All of that coming up on today's Farm and Country. But first, news headlines from NPR.
1: Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Nora Rahm. Federal regulators have taken control of Silicon Valley Bank, whose customers had included some of the most powerful tech investors in the world. This is the biggest bank failure in the U.S. since the financial crisis in 2008. NPR's David Gurr explains what happened.
2: Recently, Silicon Valley Bank saw an uptick in withdrawals, which made executives at that bank worried. This week, its CEO said it had sold off a significant part of its bond portfolio to be able to handle these withdrawal requests. And it took a massive hit doing that a nearly two billion dollar loss that news really spooked its customers even more of them pulled money out of the bank and we got what's really a classic bank run customers lining up fearful they're not going to be able to get their money back that hammered silicon valley stock price and on thursday it fell by 60 percent
1: npr's david gura more rain is forecast in california a state that has been battered by extreme weather in recent weeks President Joe Biden has approved an emergency declaration to offer federal assistance. From member station KAZU, Jonathan Linden reports.
2: 34 California counties are covered by the president's emergency declaration, including Santa Cruz County. There, around 800 residents have been left isolated after rushing waters washed away a road in the town of Soquel. Santa Cruz County spokesperson Jason Hoppin says temporary repairs are underway. The break is you know, significant, uh, and there's a pretty much a rushing sh- stream in the middle of it, so it's really not safe to cross on foot either. More rain is expected through the weekend, with another atmospheric river forecast to arrive Monday. For NPR News, I'm Jonathan Linden.
1: The family of an environmental activist who was shot and killed at the future site of Atlanta's public safety training facility is suing the city of Atlanta to release body camera footage of the incident. From member station WABE, Shemaine Cruz reports. Manuel Tehran was shot and killed during a clearing operation at the site protesters call Cop City. Authorities say Tehran fired first, injuring a state trooper. However, a private autopsy commissioned by Tehran's family allegedly shows Tehran was sitting cross-legged with both hands in the air when officers shot Tehran at least 13 times. The family is now suing the city of Atlanta to release more body cam footage of the incident after the Georgia Bureau of Investigation intervened last month following the release of four videos. GBI is still investigating. Lawyers and family members are expected to hold a press conference on Monday. For NPR News, I'm Shemaine Cruz in Atlanta. American skier Michaela Schifrin set a record at the World Cup in Sweden today. Her win in the slalom was the 87th World Cup win in her career. You're listening to NPR News from Washington.
0: This is Rosie Starr. Welcome back to Farm and Country. Coming up on today's show, we say hello to Laura Silverman from the Outside Institute and her new space in Calicoon. And we visit with Jill Padua in Narrowsburg, who fills us in on the Repair Cafe coming soon to the Tustin Town Hall. But first, here is Keith Hubbard with this week's Star Talk report. Thank you for joining us on Radio Catskill for this week's locally produced Farm and Country.
2: country i'm keith hubbard and this is star talk it's the beginning of march and that means it's time we set our clocks forward one hour tomorrow morning at 2 a.m marks the start of daylight saving time and we will spring forward by setting our clocks ahead while that means we will lose an hour of sleep tonight it also means we will see more daylight during our waking hours Daylight saving time does not increase the length of the day that is set by the rotation of Earth. What daylight saving time does increase is the amount of time we are awake during daylight hours. This morning the sun rose at 6.15am, but tomorrow the sun will rise at 7.13am. The modern concept of daylight saving time came in 1895 when George Hudson proposed a two-hour time shift. It wasn't until the outbreak of World War I that Daylight Saving Time was adopted as an energy saving measure. Germany adopted the system in 1915, Britain in 1916, and the United States followed in 1918. In the U.S., Daylight Saving Time lasted about seven months before being repealed. It returned for good during World War II. The original start date of Daylight Saving Time was the last Sunday in April. The current start date of the second Sunday in March was adopted in 2007. Remember to spring forward tonight and set your clocks forward one hour before going to bed. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for future Star Talk segments, my email address is startalk at farmandcountry.org. For Farm and Country and Star Talk, this has been Keith Hubbard, reminding you to keep looking up.
0: This is Rosie Starr in Calicoon. I stopped in to talk with Laura Silverman. She's here at her new storefront. Please introduce yourself, Laura, and tell us a little bit about your background that got you to this point right now.
3: Thanks, Rosie. I'm so excited to welcome you into my new space, the Outside Institute Outpost on Lower Main Street in Calicoon. My name is Laura chavez Silverman. I'm the founding naturalist of the Outside Institute. And I have been leading walks and workshops around the county for the last five years or so. And it's been a dream of mine to have a space like this, a Main Street space accessible to all, where I could hold classes and workshops indoors all year round. Of course, I'll continue to work on the mission of the Outside Institute, which is to connect people to the healing and transformative powers of nature. And primarily I like to do that outside, but sometimes we bring the outside in and it's a great opportunity now to be able to invite other teachers as well to hold classes and workshops on topics like natural dyeing, beekeeping, all manner of subjects related to nature And that's what I'm most passionate about. I also have a little retail shop here where I've curated a selection of items that I think are essential for naturalists, whether that's a hand lens to help you see the details of a fungus or plant up close. I have a wonderful apothecary section Some culinary products that I make, like a wild mushroom salt, Uh, lots of things are based on things that are foraged in the wild in these parts. I'm sitting in front of a little bookshelf.
0: What is this little library here?
3: Yes, well, this was an opportunity for me to bring all of my nature-related books, which I've been collecting for many years, lots of field guides, plant and tree identification books, books on mushrooms. Uh, books on herbalism, books on the spiritual healing aspects of the natural world. And I wanted to make this available to the public. So I have a little area here that's available by appointment. People can come reserve a half hour or an hour to come sit and use the books in whatever way they want. I even have a little shelf of children's books. And I really want this to be a place for the community That is yet another way to help people connect to the healing and transformative powers of nature, my mission. And you're very
0: inclusive in your mission. Talk a little bit about that inclusivity for the community.
3: It's always been my dream that together we would change the world. And I think that happens one person at a time. And that all people have not only a a responsibility, but a birthright to be connected to this land that we live on. And so, yeah, I try to invite all ages and all abilities. And the Outside Institute even has produced three regional field guides focusing on local flora, fauna, and fungi. And we created those to be more accessible to beginners or budding naturalists by offering less Latin Less botanical jargon and just more straightforward, more accessible language. And also information about things that field guides don't normally include, like cultural significance, folklore, culinary usage, edibility of plants and fungi. And I think that this is yet another way that people can really feel close and part of nature. It's very cozy
0: in here. The colors that you've chosen for the wall and, and the floor, it's very woodland like, very rustic. How is this space helping complement your mission?
3: I love that you noticed the colors. And funnily enough, the green wall paint was called Turtle. And the gray floor color was called Bark. So those did feel like very resonant colors. But this, the aesthetic that I like, this is what my house feels like too. I like a lot of organic elements and there's been a lot written about biophilic design. You know, people just feel better when they're around natural materials. And even looking at a landscape painting is healing You know, as much as I like people to be outside, I think there's also an opportunity to discover and connect with nature in a space like this. Close by here, right down the block, there is an
0: opportunity to be outside. Talk about this uh, open space that's right in our neighborhood here.
3: Residents of Calicoon are probably familiar. There's like a 50-some acre parcel of land at the end of main street it has some river frontage and it was purchased within the last few years by a nonprofit organization that i believe is working with the town to make this accessible to the public and i hope that we're going to have access to that and be able to lead our guided nature walks there We've known each other for a while.
0: You used to produce a segment for Farm and Country. It was recipes. Lots of our listeners know you for what's cooking. When folks are walking in today, you immediately ask, would you like a sip of pine tea?
3: Are you willing to share your little recipe of what's in this tea? It's quite tasty. Oh, sure. People might know that pine needles are very, very rich in vitamin C, and they have a Bright citrusy flavor. And so I simmer the chopped up needles of the pine tree. You can also use spruce and even hemlock tree needles. They're all rich in vitamin C. And I don't boil it hard in water. I just simmer it because the needles are full of lots of tannins. So you don't want it to get too bitter. And to complement that, I do add some sliced oranges and grapefruits. And then I sweeten it with honey, delicious local honey. It's a wonderful drink, very uh, fortifying, very good for the immune system.
0: As I walk around the space this morning, I was noticing all the artwork on the wall. There's lots of local artists. There's images, very organic. We have animals, prints over here. There's pottery made from mushrooms.
3: How do you choose to source all of this? some of the framed illustrations that are on the wall here are the original ink drawings by the Oaxacan artists that we commissioned to illustrate our fall winter field guide. And then other pieces are just things that I've collected in different places. I do feature lots of things from local people. I have locally dyed garments upcycled from Fisher cat fiber. I have some beautiful hand-felted upcycled sweaters from the very talented Utah Ames. I have some ceramic mushrooms. I've got an artist conch that has an original drawing from Lori Nelson, who's a wonderful artist friend that lives in Livingston Manor. It's just whatever tickles my fancy.
0: And you have a real interesting cabinet here, a look-but-don't-touch curio. What's in here? I see animal bones. Talk a
3: little bit about that. Oh, well, over the years I've found so many treasures on my walks in the woods and I wanted to be able to share them with people. I'm sure when we have classes and workshops here that will be for show and tell as well. It's a glass front cabinet so you can see through. I have birds nests and all kinds of animal skulls and some snake skins and different intriguing seed pods and I think I even have some dried cicadas a tiny little snapping turtle that somebody gifted me and a mystery bone that was found. Somebody posted on the UDC email chain asking for help identifying what turned out to be part of an intracostal bone from a turtle's carapace. How did you figure that out? Well, I have found some remnants of a turtle's carcass before. So I recognized the shape of one of the bones and Also, when turtle bones break down, they have a very particular way of almost fringing at the edges. That was familiar.
0: Is there anything else you'd like to add to this conversation? What are your aspirations now? How do you feel? You're a woman that has knowledge and guidance from other strong, accomplished women in your life. You're at an age where... You're approaching another
3: endeavor. How do you feel about where you are right now? I feel very excited. I get so much energy from the people in this community who engage with the Outside Institute and who support me personally. I have wonderful female friends, many artist friends that live in this community and a lot of people that share my passion for being in nature and for the wonderful healing qualities that it offers us and diving deeper into this work is so exciting for me. And also the opportunity to collaborate with other teachers here at the outside Institute is super exciting, you know, getting older, they say it's not for sissies, but it really has a lot of benefits. You know, you're able to, ideally, hone in on how it is you want to spend your time. Every moment feels very precious. Your presence will
0: grace the atmosphere in the community, and everyone is wishing you (laughs) such
3: goodness and luck. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here, and there's lots of new things happening in Calicoon. The Farmhouse Project is going to be moving in next door, and We have lit in the pantry down the street and lots of places to eat and Catskill Provisions with their amazing pollinator spirits. And everybody is very engaged with nature and with connecting what they do to this beautiful place that we share. And for folks that want to connect with you, I
0: believe
3: your contact is theoutsideinstitute.org. That's correct. And we're also on Instagram at The Outside Institute and certainly drop on by on Lower Main Street. Thank you, Laura, for taking
0: the time to share with us a little bit about your present endeavor.
3: Thanks, Rosie. A pleasure as always.
0: Toss it away. No way. Here is Jill Padua, who offers us an opportunity To think globally by acting locally.
4: I'm Jill Padua. I live in Narrowsburg. I've been in my house for 37 years down on Kirks Road. I've been involved in the town forever with multiple businesses. But my focus is the environment. I'm very environmentally conscious. And so the Repair Cafe is something right up my alley. And I was introduced to it five years ago-ish by Elizabeth Knight. She lived in Calicoon. And she had moved away to Warwick and found out about this and said, Jill, I think this is right up your alley. And she was right. Right. Elizabeth Knight and John Wackman wrote a book called The Repair Revolution that is really fabulous because it tells you a lot about the worldwide uh, repair revolution. So I am local, so I know a lot of people and This is a completely volunteer organization. We live in such a throwaway world that we really promote people bringing in their beloved items to come in and hopefully get them fixed. No guarantees, but we try. We have a great team of volunteers, generally a dozen or so, doing mechanical, electrical, woodworking, sewing, knitting. You know, you think if you have a favorite sweater that has a hole, they can fix it. Now, you know, many sweaters come with a little spool of the thread that or the wool that's in the sweater. If you have that, bring it because then it'll be a perfect match. We can't guarantee those perfect matches otherwise. We have a jeweler. We have star doing plant and gardening advice. We have crochet, knitting, bicycles sometimes. I don't know that we'll have that this time. Our main person is on vacation. So it does switch up. We ask you to bring just two items at each cafe because there can be a lot of people. There are over 40 repair cafes right here in the Hudson Valley. We are considered part of the Hudson Valley Group. The newest repair cafe is in Hurleyville to much success. And so it's a growing consciousness and we want to keep it going. So our next repair cafe is Saturday, March 18th from 11 to 3. It is at the Tustin Town Hall underneath the Tustin Theater. You come in, you check in, you register, you read the rules, and we assign you to a repair coach. We do like, and it is suggested, that you sit with them and learn how it's done. Maybe you'll have this problem in the the future and you'll know how to fix it the next time. There's so much stuff thrown away all the time, and it's just so unnecessary. And over 50,000 items a month are repaired at these cafes. And it's been going on for 15 years-ish. So it was started in the Netherlands. And there's almost 2,000 of them in the Netherlands. And you know how small the Netherlands are. So they are really on top of it. We'd like to see more of them around here. As I said, Hudson Valley has uh, over 40. And that goes right up to the Albany area. Pennsylvania, however, has one. If you're not in this area for the Tustin Repair Cafe, You can go online to repaircafe.org. You can see where they are worldwide. You can start your own. It's not hard, especially if you're local and you know people that can do things. I have such wonderful volunteers. I cannot thank them enough that come out every time, as long as they're available. Of course, we feed our folks because they're there during lunchtime. It's 11 to 3. They all also love it. It's a community spirit. Neighbors helping neighbors. It's a win-win situation.
0: It's going to be lunchtime. If folks come in at noon, are there items to purchase?
4: We'll ask for donation. There will be some food. I don't know what it'll be this time yet, but there'll be some food. I think Pastor Phyllis is going to make some soup. We'll have some things. So if somebody's hungry, we always have coffee, and we'll put out a donation bucket for that. We do, of course, ask for donations. We have to make signage, advertise, etc. So donations are always welcome. We do ask also that... If you bring an item in that needs something particular, such as a zipper, size, color, you need to please bring it because while our repair coaches can fix anything, they have the skills, but they don't always have the particular piece that they need, a particular lamp pole that you might like, you know, those kind of things. They're happy to fix things, but we're not a store. If someone brings in a vacuum cleaner, what would you suggest about that? So electrical, mechanical, think vacuum cleaners, think toasters, think old stereos, lamps, lights, chairs to a box of something that somebody made for you and it's broken. Bring it in. I brought in an earring tree that Niall Barrett made years ago here in Harrisburg and I've loved it and it's delicate and it broke and they fixed it and it's back to being used again regularly. I'm so grateful for that. How about toys? You know, if it's mechanical, they can fix it. Absolutely. Bring in anything. You know, you have to be able to carry it in and carry it out. No washing machines. You know, <laughs> we're not appliance people, but small appliances. Absolutely. But not microwaves. No microwaves, nothing called smart, and nothing using gas. Those are the three rules. We don't have a knife person right now, but we certainly would like to have somebody. So if you know of anybody that can do knife sharpening, that would be great. We generally have a gentleman who works on bicycles, tune-ups and such. He also works on stringed instruments. And so he double duties when he's there. He won't be here this time, unfortunately. I have reached out to somebody I know that does bicycles as well. I'm waiting to hear back from them for this next one. And yeah, bicycles, pretty much anything you can think of that somebody could possibly fix that you can't give
0: it a shot you mentioned no smart technology that excludes phones and computers
4: well we have not heard from our computer person this time yet there are some things that they can fix or oftentimes it's teaching you
0: how to do something what inspires you to do this activity and how do you think it benefits our community
4: well, it is a throwaway society. We're saving things from going into the landfills because too much goes into the landfills anyway of all sorts. And I could go on to a whole other subject about that. But what inspires me is I'm am an environmentalist. I you know, I do what I can to not create waste. I create very little at home and at work. I teach people at work to be environmentally conscious. And this is a very good way that we can all work together to be that.
0: I have a teddy bear. Should I bring it? Bring it on.
4: Yeah. If Susie is there, she might do some hand sewing on stuffed animals as well. How about picture frames or furniture? Absolutely. The guys that work on wood products can generally, they can fix pretty much anything. They bring their tools, you know, and they have glue and they have nails and they have whatever, all the kinds of things that you would need to, to repair things. Cecilia is going to come and she'll do screening. You have a ripped screen on from one of your windows, bring the frame, of course, bring your screening and bring your spline. Now, every frame is different. So you really need to bring what's correct for your home. You know, she won't carry those things, but she has all the tools
0: and she'll fix your screening. That's a fabulous skill to have. Mm -hmm. That's a tedious job to do at home. (laughs) To have somebody volunteer to do it is great. Yeah, and we're grateful that Cecilia is available to come in this time, for sure.
4: It's at the Tustin Town Hall underneath the Tustin Theater, Saturday, March 18th, 11 to 3. The next one after that will be May 6th. So put that on your calendar, dig through your drawers, etc. The email for this is repaircafetustin at com is the email address. And you can reach me by phone at 570-647-7091. I'm happy to answer any questions you have. You know, sometimes they can fix things. Sometimes they can't. Again, there's no guarantee. Sometimes it'll be a consultation. And sadly, there are times that they'll say, yeah, it's past its prime. You know, that happens. But at least you'll know. You won't be carrying something around for years and years and years and not being able to utilize it.
0: I have a feeling that most of the volunteers that give the skills for this are senior citizens. Are there any youth involved
4: in this? This year, uh, there are no youth. We did have one young man who did knife sharpening, but he's off at college. If you know a young person who can be handy or would like to learn, contact me, please. We would love to have young people learn more about fixing anything that we have going on. Absolutely. Is there anything else that we haven't touched on yet? We also have a Facebook page, Repair Cafe Tustin, and you can see lots of photos on that page. And as we update lists and so on, it will be posted there. If we get another fixer to come in to do something that's not on the present list, that'll get published. It'll be listed on the Facebook page and it'll be put out on the Upper Delaware Community Network. We'll keep up with that as
0: well. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we close?
4: We're supported by the Narrowsburg Chamber of Commerce, the Tustin Energy Committee, and the Town of Tustin.
0: Thank you, Jill, once again, for taking the time to speak with us.
4: Well, thank you, Rosie, very much. And WJFF, love the station, and always listening to it. It's it's my go-to. Thank you so very much.
0: We hope that you enjoyed our show this week with production by Radio Catskill volunteer Keith Hubbard. Special thanks goes to our guests, Laura Silverman from the Outside Institute, and Jill Padua with information on the Tustin Repair Cafe. This has been your host, Rosie Starr. Thanks for listening local to Farm and Country and supporting Radio Catskill. Public radio for the Catskills and Northeast Pennsylvania. Support for Farm and Country comes from Damascus Citizens for Sustainability DamascusCitizens.org. While engaged media consumers fret over who said what on Twitter or the latest Fox hosts
4: outrages, is anyone paying close attention to the radio waves? You have to listen to it live in order to capture what's being said. And so it just operates out of sight. Nobody pays any attention and it has so much power. This week, we're listening to talk radio. Don't miss on the media from WNYC.
3: Saturday afternoon at four on Radio Catskill.
0: Hello, if you're a book reader.